It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio.
Good evening, everybody, and thank you for calling in to King Jordan Radio for a hot, sticky July 8, 2014. This is King Jordan you're listening to, and you are listening to King Jordan Wrestling Talk. Ladies and gentlemen, there are things to get into. There's Bret Hart news to get into, and there's a lot more. Um, Here to discuss that with us is the one and only out of Chicago. Ladies and gentlemen, he is our co-host, our wrestling insider. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Double J, JJ. Good evening, JJ, and welcome to King Jordan Radio. How are you? Hey, King. Uh, like you said, uh, so much to get into in today's show. Uh, rumors are going crazy. The Internet exploded. Of course, as you mentioned, news about Sting. What does it mean? I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later. So lots to talk about. It's definitely uh, an exciting time for wrestling fans, especially of some WWE and wrestling legends. Absolutely. Okay, let's see. We have Dominic or uh, Blackjack. Uh, let's try first line number three. Line three, uh, your line is open. Yo, what's up, guys? Hey, Dominic Valente from the Wrestling Hot Seat at 212-629-1900. How are you, Dominic? What's up, King? JJ, what's up, bro? Great to hear from you, Dominic. Same here, my man. Ah, we got a lot to talk about tonight, man. Tonight's going to be a good show, as usual. Absolutely. Let's see if, uh, if Blackjack is back on line five. Blackjack, are you with us? My yes? brother, or no? how are you? Hey, Blackjack. Welcome. Long time no here. Brother JJ, uh, King, good. Dominic. How you been, man? Brother Blackjack. Busy as hell. Yeah. Happy uh, belated 4th. Hope everybody had a good 4th of July. How was yours, Dominic? Yeah, good. Nice and quiet around here. It felt like Beirut or something, man, the way the people were uh, with the skyrockets and Roman candles and all kinds of things, man. Yeah, around here they shot off a lot of beautiful, colorful stuff. It was nice. It's like a war zone. Exactly. And And I was at uh, Mr. Jeff's house, and wow, you uh, you want to like get a little buzz and uh, have some uh, good food and stuff? Oh my uh, yeah, God! Yeah, food, food was fantastic. Okay, uh, let's get into the big news at hand. J.J., as you reported earlier, Sting on his Twitter, took to Twitter, and, uh, well, why don't you set the stage? Yes, earlier today, this afternoon, Sting actually posted a photo. He posted a photo and it was a picture, a close-up picture of his face. He was sort of like in a dark room. You could just sort of see a hint of light shining on his face, and you could see the face paint, you know, the white face with the black lines. 
and then a few hours later, he posted a tweet that read, 7-14-14, and of course, that is a Monday. Now, what does that mean? Is that the date that he signed his contract and will be debuting finally on WWE television, or a lot of uh, fans are speculating that maybe this has something to tie into the future uh, WWE 2K15 video game release in announcing Sting being a downloadable character, much like last year we learned the news about, uh, I would say, July, August, about the Ultimate Warrior appearing in the WWE 2K14 video game. So whether or not this has to do with a video game or whether or not this has to do with things they do in the WWE, we should find out uh, next Monday. Dominic, weigh in. What do you think? I didn't even think it would be for the video game. I hope it ain't that. I hope. Well, I hope it Me is too. that, but I hope to see Sting right on Raw. It's yeah. going to be about Amen. time. He's in the WWE. Maybe everything signed, sealed, delivered, and <coughs> he is going to be on Raw. I hope. Uh, Blackjack, when Sting's contract ended in the, in December, he had that no compete clause uh, to wrestle in, to wrestle with any organization, and. Now it is time. After six months, eight months, it's going to go down. As I've said, uh, when he was still in the TNA uh, people, he was going to be coming in. You might get that wish, King, of Sting. I I don't know about Sting and Undertaker, but uh, Sting will definitely be in the WWE. And um, just remember where you heard it first. Well, if you want to go back in time, I actually put it in daily news in 2010. Yeah, you were like two years before your time, but you couldn't even say nothing. Yeah. I mean, he was negotiating uh, um, secretly, and but word got out. the cat at the bag. Prince Ayakea spoke to Sting, and Prince Ayakea told me that was the tentative plan. They had a handshake agreement. That's yeah, Vince Carter was after your little tail, boy. <laughs> he brought that yes. to all the way well, to the head uh, people at, at the Daily News. Either Prince was staying or somebody was lying to me. So, you know, but the uh, fact you were is, accurate at the, at the time, which we are currently with this uh, uh, Internet stuff and Facebooks and what have you here. Uh, they try to keep so things secret. brought that up because the WWE, JJ, seems to have a lot of problems now with the WWE Network practically giving it away. What's the latest? Yes, I mean, as we all know, when the WWE launched uh, back in the end of February, they, of course, you know, tried to entice people to buy the network, and they gave them a one-week free subscription and we saw them do that yet again after WrestleMania, trying to entice people to get into the network to have that one-week uh, subscription. And they're doing it again for the third time. All this week, you can go on the WWE Network. You can go on there for free. And for one week, you can just get a sample of what, you know, everything that's on there, all their exclusive programming, uh, all the video archives and their vaults. Their 24-7 live stream. People have the ability to watch it this week 
for free, and you don't even need to uh, use your credit card. No credit card is required. Just go on, sign up, and get your one week free of the WWE Network. So they are doing everything they can as we're approaching that sort of six months where uh, a lot of subscription renewals will be coming up and people will be deciding whether or not they want to cancel their subscription or renew yet again. So bringing Sting in possibly to promote the network or to do an exclusive with the WWE, it would be huge to have you know, Sting back in some sort of you know, role. And uh, you know, right now they're doing everything they can because you know, as we pointed out before, when the WWE lost, you know, so much money putting this network together, we said it that they wouldn't see a profit on the WWE network probably until 2015 at the latest. And at the same time, it's only been released to the United States. There's still other countries that don't have the network yet. And you know, when the WWE lost, you know, nearly 350 million in the stock market. I mean, they've been trying to make budget cuts like crazy. They're trying to save money. They're trying to make up for all they've lost. I mean, we saw so many superstars who were released in the past two weeks, you know, from Josh uh-huh. Matthews, Clay, JTG, Yoshitatsu, Oksana, Drew McIntyre, Kurt Hawkins, Evan Bourne, Teddy Long, even a writer and a referee were released. So uh, the WWE is doing everything they can to make up for those losses. And, you know, right now they're trying to entice people, like I said, to get the WWE Network to subscribe. They're giving them just a sample. And what a way to do it because, actually, if you if you signed up yesterday for the WWE Network, that one-week free preview, they actually debuted the new uh, exclusive show on the network, the Monday Night War. Finally, a lot of fans have been waiting to see this. Well, a lot of of people know that when they had WWE 24-7, that they did have on demand the Monday Night War. And and when they changed it each week, Cole would do the commentary right before the show. This week on Nitro, ABC, and D. This week on Raw, ABC, and D. And they would talk about the Monday Night War. So they're integrating it into uh, the network. But getting back to the the situation at hand, I think uh, they didn't think this thing through good enough. Now, at least in hindsight, they should have not put out this network. It's not doing as good. I I wasn't ready for it yet. I think they thought people were uh, ready for computers of all ages. As I said before, only, you know, I would say, you know, like 13 to 35 age bracket is ready for the computers, and uh, that's it. What do you think, Blackjack? I mean, I'm I'm still in the classical era. I'm not up on all this stuff yet, but you got to be. And uh, thanks to... Uh, JJ and uh, King Jordan uh, and uh, the hotline with Dominic. That's still uh, my my remedy of, of information at, at this point in time. I mean, the the way this stuff is now is still uh, amazing to me. So, and then you can only say but so much without seeing stuff. You know, uh, it, it's still unbelievable the way this is going down. What do you say, Dominic? 
Yeah, I got to agree with you. You know, a lot of the callers that call my hotline don't have no computer, and a lot of them totally even gave up on wrestling that they use me because they know that I, I still watch it. Right. To, you know, to keep track of it. But I'm not computer savvy at all. Forget it. A couple of friends of mine had to come over and set up everything for me. Little by little, now I finally got the hang of it. I mean, it's okay. I mean, I'm still not with these tweets and plots and whatever, you, you know, you, you, you go. I don't even know what that is. I'm they not talk sure about myself. I got, I got no idea. Yeah. Me, a tweet is... Yeah, right. That's you see tweet. people in, in the street walking down uh, in a subway doing this stuff. Yep. I like to defend Twitter because it helps people get the news quicker. It huh. does have it good. It does have it bad. But how much That's accuracy is on all that stuff? There isn't that much accuracy with all that no, stuff. A lot of stuff is exaggerated. It's stuff is made up, and this is what they're going to do with this uh, uh, modern age of computers. This is what they're going to be doing. So. Uh, it's unbelievable well, what uh, I yeah. witnessed it in New York in my, in my little trip. It's still unbelievable. The, as I said, people are on, on the buses, the trains, walking down the street. Oh. You grew up with the uh, you grew up with the cassette tapes, the records. Exactly. And, uh, I you... missed that today. I still play it. I mean, I still deal with that. You can't buy it, but I still deal and with that. And the VCR tapes. And the VCR tapes. Yep. Yeah, and me too. Television. Right. So and sometimes if I'm in a real crazy think. mood, I'll take out my turntable. <laughs> and I'll put I'll put an old album on that I know I don't have the C D and I don't have the Oh the set. Okay. And I'll put the I'll put the old you know I'll put Fine. an old album on. Oh man, I still got my eight tracks. How about that? You know what that is, JJ? Yeah, your records, man, your vinyl. No, eight track. Eight track. You know what that is? What? Do you, JJ? What? Do you know what that is? A-track cassette deck. Dom, you remember that? Yeah, yeah, but I, I, I totally bypassed that. I, I, I went right, right from records to cassettes. I never. Well, I did too. That was my transformation. You know, A-tracks and cassettes. And uh, now you got got the DVDs. DVDs. Do you really need DVDs now? No. That's going to be sure. a, a thing of the past. Yep, yeah. because if you get a Blu-ray DVD, it ain't going to play on your regular machine. What the hell is that? That's the latest Yeah, what DVD is the Blu-ray, Blu-ray. going to do? Come out and fucking visit you and give you a hug? What's so fucking good about having a Blu-ray? I don't What's know. What's the fucking point? I understand the DVD, but to, to spend extra money for a fucking thing, you know, I mean, you have to spend so much more money on something, you know, like HDTV and this and that. Listen, unless they're going to come out the wrestlers in and wrestle in front of me, I don't give a shit. It's not that important. Yeah, I'm okay true. with the DVD. Yep. I'm fine with the DVD player. I was I don't just think getting used to the DVDs. Fun. Now that you can, uh, that's going to be a thing of the past, you know? Yep. And to buy yes. a VHS tape, I think they're like $3 a piece now. Oh, yeah? Yep. If you could find it. Yeah, no, I, 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 
99 cent store used to sell them a buck a piece. They used to buy 10 at a time. I can't buy 10 no more at one clip. I remember I used to buy the Fuji's two for five and uh, get ready to take the raw and the nitros. And I would have to take the, the replay of the nitro when I was The only one I see Hedl. now is Maxell, and they got another name called Tritonic, which is like 50 cents cheaper than the Maxell. It's a good tape. I don't know how many years it'll last or how much you could keep taping over it. But when I don't see one, I buy the other. I still use them. What's good with the, the VCR tapes were that you don't have to be so delicate, you know? It could. Yeah. It, you didn't have to, like, put it in a seal or whatever and this and that. Mama Mia, it was just like, you know, hand the tape to him and put the show on and away we go. Yep. And it was on a lot of bus trips. And Blackjack, I'm sure you remember that. And crazy stuff. Look at Vega Guy Jeff, our, our friend. He's got uh, hundreds of thousands of those uh, tapes, such as I do. You know what I'm saying? I mean, um, you need yeah. to put them si uh, side by side and tape off each other. You can't even do that anymore. You can't do but that no more, to tape to tape? tape. I mean, you can, but, I mean, it's, like, unheard of. Oh, okay. Yeah. What a lot of people do, uh, JJ, you see, though, is they put it right on YouTube, a lot of stuff from the right. VCR. You know yeah, that, make, JJ? Yeah, they can see that they have that VHS uh, quality in the in the in the film when you're watching something on YouTube, especially if it's an old clip, you know, if it's an old wrestling clip, especially if it's outside of WWE or something, and they upload it, and it, the quality isn't the same, you know. But uh, and it, now it, they got um, this phone where people were at the Manhattan Center recording the show, like yeah. the like the TNA people. You couldn't video uh, that stuff, and you look on that same night. And you see Dixie get thrown through the table. And they haven't even aired it yet. They're talking like yes, a month for that to go you down. you all three shows, what was your take? You were at every show. I was at the middle show, uh, which will be the pay-per-view. Uh, I thought it was like old times. Think? But the, the thing is, you got everybody sitting, standing up and recording it, and people standing in, in, in the way. Uh... Well, that was old times too. That, that that's the modern technology of today. But yeah. I mean, as I said, my favorite part was when Head came out, when we got the Head back. When Al Snow came out, Black Check, maybe you could agree with me. You could hear the roof blow up. You know, the building was on fire. Al Snow got a pop like it was 1997. I mean, what was that about? I mean, that was amazing, I mean, what right? What they plan on doing, it's all going to be uh, released out. It's not going to be a surprise. Everybody just can't uh, uh, anticipate what's going to happen anymore because it's already aired on, on this YouTube stuff. Uh. I, mean, I, I, I would love the element of surprise, but you can't anymore. Right. Just like the thing with Sting. 
there, there'll be some surprises along the way uh, until he um, actually is able to, to wrestle. But he's got that other contract with, with the with the game first, and then the other contract comes uh, secondary. Who's this? Sting. It'll be very interesting. Uh, and uh, what do you know his Twitter handle, JJJ, off the top of your head? I think it is just uh, at Sting. So it's it's not, you know, Wrestling Sting or TNA Sting or WWE Sting. It should just be at and then Sting. Well, a lot of people have started to talk about and take notice of a fellow by the name of Seth Rollins. Oh, let's take a listen to this clip and debate on the other side. So, yeah, they broke Seth up the was- hottest act in the company. They pulled the trigger. Uh, one of the most memorable closing angles in Raw history. Not the best or anything like that, but it was shocking. People are still talking about it. It's not even a week later. It got a lot of people talking, which is probably what they wanted. It was unpredictable, which isn't something you can say about much in wrestling these days, thanks to the Internet and thanks to bad booking. Uh, But this wasn't bad. It, It was sad, but it wasn't bad. People definitely did not want to see it. You could actually hear a fan scream no just before Rollins whacked Reigns with the chair. Actually, I could do an even better impression of what the guy sounded like. He pretty much sounded like this. No! Like Reigns was about to take a bullet. Like if the guy could, he would, he would jump in front of that chair. You know, like, like one of the Secret Service agents protecting the president or something. Uh, but that, hey, the guy said out loud exactly what I was thinking when I watched it. You know, I, I'm still in mourning over this whole thing. I wouldn't have done it. Myself would not have done it. I would not have turned the shield against each other. I would not have broken them up. I still think there's money in keeping those guys together for a little while longer. But they did it, and it was a hot angle. The only thing that would have made it better and left more of a lasting impact was Jim Ross on commentary. When, when somebody would turn and do something dastardly like this back in the day, nobody sold it better than JR. And I thought the announcers did a poor job on this. It just was too subdued, and it just it didn't have the same impact. And the announcing can play such an important role in, in remembering an angle like this or, or just selling how big of a deal and how much of an asshole this guy really is for what he did. So I thought it was lacking. J- that was one of those moments that JR would have been perfect still being in the announce booth. Um, what made the Shield so great now, I guess, as we look back and we reflect on the last 18 months of these guys together on the main roster... What differentiated them from so many other groups is that there was no clear, distinct leader. You know, they were all equals. It was usually Rollins or Reigns. You know, Ambrose was kind of a loose cannon, but he had his time to shine, too, on occasion. Sometimes during promos, he would kind of dominate and take that leadership role. With, with the Horsemen, it was always, you know, Ric Flair. It was never a question of who the head guy, who the leader of the four Horsemen was. Through all the different incarnations of the Horsemen, the one constant was Ric Flair. He was the guy. With the Freebirds, it was Michael Hayes. With the NWO, it was Hulk Hogan. With DX, it was Shawn Michaels. And then when he went away, it was Triple H. He took over the leadership role. With the Hart Foundation, it was Bret Hart. With the Ministry, it was The Undertaker. Evolution, again, it was Hunter. With the Shield, all three guys were on equal footing. And each made the other one better. Between that and, and the run that they had, I know this, you know, again, was only 18 months, but by today's standards, that's like five years. <laughs> the fact that they kept these guys together for that long 
before breaking them up, as well as they were booked almost always in main events, elevating everybody else's game that they worked with, never having a bad match, getting over as baby faces after their heel run came to an end. In my opinion, the Shield's going to go down as one of the greatest groups of all time, bar none. Easily, easily one of the greatest factions of all time. When I say one of the greatest, I'm talking like, I can't say number one, I won't, I won't say number one, but top three. All time. Their wars with the Wyatts, their wars with Evolution, their battles with Brian, their battles with Punk, working with The Undertaker at a time when Undertaker doesn't do much other than his once annual WrestleMania match. Okay, and he actually worked a six-man tag on Raw and a singles match on SmackDown against Dean Ambrose. When's the last time you saw Undertaker work a match on SmackDown? Veteran guys wanted to work with these guys because they were that good. The Outlaws at WrestleMania this year, right? So it's a sad day that these guys are no more. Uh, as for an explanation for why, for this to make sense, Mitch on Twitter had maybe the best answer. He said the simple answer is the Shield were mercenaries for hire. Rollins took a job, and I guess saw the other two as being weak. I see people thinking, or, or maybe it's more like hoping that this is some giant swerve. The problem with this being a double swerve, or, or Rollins being a secret agent, is that it makes no sense. These guys, the Shield and Evolution, they beat the crap out of each other. Two straight pay-per-views, not to mention all the Raws and the Smackdowns in between that built up the pay-per-views. Okay, Rollins dove off a balcony at Extreme Rules onto those guys. Triple H and Randy Orton, he dove off the Titantron onto them at Payback. I think it was Rollins, he ate a pedigree on a steel chair on the stage last Sunday. Him turning doesn't make much sense as it is, but at least you could argue, okay, Triple H promised him a title shot, he promised him a bunch of money, he was tired of being overlooked as the architect of the Shield, Reigns is the muscle. He's looked at as the chosen one. He feels he gets no respect. You could at least rationalize it, and that may be what they end up doing. But if after all that, plus the beatdown on Ambrose and Reigns on Monday night, if Rollins really is still in cahoots with them and he joined Evolution to destroy Evolution from within, what is there to destroy? They've beaten them on two straight pay-per-views. Batista quit in the first segment of the show, so Evolution was down to two guys. I mean, what are they infiltrating exactly? The COO? I mean, what, are they going to oust him from power somehow? You know, when the old Stone Cold came back, remember that whole angle? He came back to lead Team WWF against the, the Alliance, and then he turned on them at the Invasion pay-per-view. That actually made sense. Vince begged Austin to come back and save his company from the Invaders. Austin did, but, but not really. He just suckered McMahon so he could cost them that big main event at the pay-per-view and then lead the charge against the WWF. What big match is brewing between Evolution and The Shield that Rollins needs to infiltrate? Now, if this happened, let's say, between Extreme Rules and Payback, that actually would kind of make sense. You know, but again, they've already fought twice. Believe me, I, I would love nothing more than for this to somehow all make sense and in two months, the Shield is back together, you know, and each guy starts branching off on their own as singles, but they kind of maintain their partnership, they maintain their friendship, because the real money is in these guys as singles in the future. Okay, I know that. But I would love for it to be a ruse. It's just too far-fetched for me. Now, that said, 
Let's talk about Seth Rollins here for a second. It's a big opportunity for Seth Rollins. And I am looking forward to seeing how serious they really are about pushing him as a heel. He was always, up until recently, he was always looked at as the odd man out because Ambrose, oh, Ambrose is this crazy, loose cannon, Brian Pillman, Roddy Piper hybrid. He's going to be just fine, and Reigns is big, and he looks good, and he's got big muscles, and he's being positioned as the next top guy to replace John Cena. And that may all be true, but then Rollins kind of got the shaft. Like, oh, he's a good bumper, he's a good wrestler, he's a good hand, but, you know, of all, of all three... In a lot of people's eyes, Rollins was the one guy who maybe he wouldn't be a world champion, or maybe he wouldn't get over the way the other two did. And I think the last few months, the way that they've let him shine, he's proved a lot of people wrong. He's changed people's opinions on that. So now he's the one who gets the first shot to branch out on his own in a serious role as a singles guy, as a heel. I still think his future is as a babyface. He had the best babyface comeback in all of WWE. Brian used to. But Rollins had it now, and now that's gone. I'm not saying he can't be a good heel. He can certainly, you know, he can bump around for people, which you have to do when you're a bad guy. But they're putting him in evolution, if he is in evolution. We're just assuming he is. Maybe he took whatever Triple H offered him just to break away and beat the crap out of his friends. But are they aligning him with Hunter and Orton because they see him as the next big thing? You know, that's the question. All three members of the Shield could be world champions at some point. You know, are we going to see Brian versus Rollins? I mean, sign me up. That'd be a hell of a match. Rollins could probably give John Cena some of the best matches of his career, but I don't want to see Rollins and Cena. That's the problem with being a heel in WWE. At some point, they all crash into the brick wall called John Cena. And as we've seen before with everybody, pretty much except Daniel Bryan so far, there's no going through that wall when you hit it. So I'm very curious how they handle this. The key is in the follow-up. I saw the Rollins stuff on SmackDown. He came out with Triple H. He cut a promo, but he didn't reveal why he turned. It was kind of a cop-out answer. Maybe they're saving it for for Monday night because that's the A show. Uh, He had a match with Dolph Ziggler that was actually pretty damn good. And they gave Ziggler a lot more, I will say, in that match than I thought they would. But in the end, Rollins got the win, curb stomp, got the pin. They didn't do much more than that. But the key is in the follow-up. Do they see this guy as the next big thing, and are they going to push him like that? And is he going to get the rub from rubbing shoulders with Triple H and Randy Orton? Or is he just going to be a lackey and play second fiddle to Triple H? Are they going to make him, you know, cut his hair and and put him in a suit so he looks just like every other, you know, guy on the roster when they turn heel? Like, the key is how they handle it. You know, give the guy his own distinct identity. I have no problem if if they want to keep him in, in his shield gear for a while. You know, eventually he'll have to transition over to, like, normal tights, but let him stay in the flak jacket. Let him wear the gloves. Let him keep, you know, one half of his head blonde and the other half brown. Let him, let him maintain his own identity, but don't make it where he's just Triple H's lapdog. Because the minute you do that, the guy's dead. Okay, JJ, uh, very interesting uh situation with that let me hear your take on uh what you just heard well yeah seth rollins and the shield i mean uh, whether or not you can argue if they were you know the greatest faction in wrestling or one of the greatest factions in WWE, they were an entertaining bunch i mean as a trio i think they were amazing they worked so well together and as he pointed out there wasn't a necessarily a leader amongst the three there were points 
in their two years where maybe Dean Ambrose at the start, you know, maybe Ambrose was the leader. You know, his promos came off very strong. And then you have someone like Roman Reigns, who's very dominant at Survivor Series, at Royal Rumble. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's got that triple power bomb. A lot of, you know, people are focused on Roman Reigns. And then there was Seth Rollins, who was kind of forgotten about. I mean, he would always put on, you know, really exciting matches. He flew around the ring. He took, you know, crazy bumps. So there were people watching him. And then they had this, this moment where they called him the architect of S.H.I.E.L.D., and they kind of teased the S.H.I.E.L.D. breakup earlier this year, and it was Rollins who kept the group together. So now all of a sudden Rollins is the one who kind of took charge. So they've done a great job, you know, protecting the S.H.I.E.L.D., having them look strong against, you know, the very top superstars in the company. As he, as he pointed out, when have you ever seen someone, you know, face the Undertaker on a SmackDown in the last few years? I mean, that that almost rarely happens. The guy only works, you know, WrestleMania at, at least. I mean, for him to come out and work with the Shield, I think it shows that the W had a lot of faith and trust that these guys were going to do something special, and I think they really have. And with Rollins, uh, since he's, you know, made that turn and joined the authority, he hasn't necessarily replaced Batista and joined Evolution. He's just partnered up with the authority. And, yeah, he is wearing a business suit, but he still sort of has kept his identity. He still wears, you know, a different sort of black gear. He still has his two-tone colored hair. So he's still the Seth Rollins we sort of know, but as he pointed out, the Shield were mercenaries. When they first came in, it seems like they were associated with Heyman and CM Punk. They were taking out Ryback, and they were doing what they said was best for business. And then there was a point where they joined the authority. And then, you know, now they sort of turn their backs on the authority and they're anti-authority, and they're doing what's best for Shield. And now during the split, these guys are doing what's best for themselves individually. And they're so far they're doing great. Again, you got Roman Reigns who's, you know, partnering up with John Cena, so obviously he's in the spotlight. And you have Dean Ambrose, who a lot of people again, they love his promos. They love that he's that loose cannon, he's unpredictable, he's that lunatic fringe that they always mention every week. He's you know, unpredictable and you know, he's just fun to watch. And then you got Rollins, who's now this heel, everybody hates him for being a turncoat, he's sold out. I think he's doing uh, really well right now with the authority. He's Mr. Money in the Bank. They said whether or not he could run through the wall that is Super Cena, John Cena. Well, right now, Seth Rollins is basically nipping at Cena's heels. You know, Cena is now the current world heavyweight champion. Rollins, Mr. Money in the Bank. He's already in the last two weeks tried to cash in on Cena. But, of course, Dean Ambrose still bitter towards the Shield breakup and Rollins turning his back on his brothers. You know, Dean Ambrose is doing everything he can to prevent Seth from successfully uh, cashing in that briefcase. So, I mean, it's, it's an exciting time, and this is what we need right now. There was a time when the WWE was getting kind of dull. Every Monday night you see the same show or you get bored with it. You see a lot of silly, goofy things, and you kind of lose interest. And right now the last two weeks, we've seen some good Monday Night Raws. We've seen some exciting Raws, some comebacks like Chris Jericho 
and now all, there's all this buzz about Sting. And whether or not Sting shows up or not next Monday, there is a buzz about next Monday Night Raw, and that's what we need. Yeah. As, as Blackjack pointed out, in this Internet age, you know, it's hard to really have, you know, those surprises like we used to. So whether or not Sting shows up next Monday or not, I think there's going to be a great buzz in the arena, wherever they are next Monday. It should be a fun show. Whether or not, you know, it's a video about Sting being in the 2K15 game, or maybe he finally does make his debut, which I think the fans will go nuts. And hopefully it will bring in some older fans to tune in and, you know, check out what Sting's doing finally for the first time in a WWE ring. So, you know, everything seems to be, you know, looking up. And there was a time when things were looking very down and, uh, you know, things weren't that great in the WWE. And you say, oh, God, another Monday Night Raw, and we're going to see the same old stuff. But right now we're seeing a little twist. We're seeing some new faces jump in on the main event scene, and it's, you know, creating a better show. Okay, Dominic, you weigh in. All right. You know, I, I wasn't in favor of them splitting up the Shield, but there was a lot of great points brought out that the Shield, as a unit, complemented each other's style. And one guy could feed off the other guy, and it, w- it was a great group. For them to split them up like that, I think Seth Rollins, I hope he doesn't stay as Triple H's lackey, because that's Tyler Black from Ring of Honor. And we've yet to see everything that this guy can do. We ain't seen nothing yet. If they let him go loose and become what Tyler Black used to be, we're in for some good stuff. As far as Dean Ambrose... Right now, I think Dean Ambrose is the best wrestler out of the three of them. His promos are unbelievable. He was hustler Tim Moxley on the indies for the longest. So he's got a wealth of experience doing that. Roman Reigns, granted, is the powerhouse. Um, Of course, related to The Rock, related to the the Usos and Rikishi. Um, But like they say, the... Can you break through the glass wall, the glass ceiling, which is John Cena? And in all honesty, I would say no. I want to see somebody do it, but John Cena is the face of the WWE, and it's going to take him retiring altogether before anybody ever gets into a top spot like, like where he is now. Roman Reigns can be the, the big, strong guy. I seen the match with him and Kane was excellent. Kane could bring out the best in anybody, just like Undertaker. And yeah. Ambrose, I don't think needs any help in getting the getting the best brought out of him. Seth um, Seth Rollins, they just got to make him be what Tyler Black was. Roman Reigns may need the most help because yeah. right now he's just relying on his power. Mm-hmm. So he he might need the most help in, in getting over. But as far as breaking through that glass ceiling or glass wall, whatever you want to call it, ain't nobody going to do that unless Bruno Sammartino becomes 25 years old again and, <laughs> and puts his wrestling tights back on and gets in there and beats the balls off of Cena. But Bruno Man, likes Cena. We could, that would happen. <laughs> and uh, Blackjack, uh, you agree? 
the brothers from different mothers will definitely uh, formulate back together. It'll be a few months down the road. Roman Reigns versus Cena. Look for that match to go down. Uh, there was a time where this uh, Daniel Bryan was bigger than Sting. Now you're going to see Sting uh, come popular again to where he's going to be bigger named than Daniel Bryan. That Bray Wyatt, I'm all over the scope here. That Bray Wyatt, look for him to give the, uh, a title shot eventually, uh, probably before the end of the year. I can see him as world champion. But uh, as far as uh, the Shield, I see them getting back together before the end of the year, even by the time of Survivor Series time. But the wow. brothers uh, uh, feud uh, and the get into stuff, they're great athletes. You're going to see them great matches uh, against one another, and you're going to see them come back as a tag team. That's my take on it, brother. You know, I'll tell you, I read something the other day, and I even put it on my hotline already, that they're thinking 2015-2016, we're going to see the Shield come back together because they said reunions of groups is a novelty, and everybody pops big for that. Look at the yep. Dudley Brothers. Yes. The Hardys. The yes. Hardys. The New Hardys Age Outlaw. There you yeah. go. It's got to happen. They were, How can they it got not to happen? pop, yeah. New Age Outlaws, even up until last year. Yes. They blew the roof off until they went heel again, started with Triple H, and then you didn't see them anymore. But for a while, they, yeah, they were over. I don't know why they ruined the new age outlaws. They were over. Yep. They, people like then they them. joined Triple H, and the fans started hating them, so they put them back in retirement again. History, history will repeat itself in this situation with the Shield. Yeah. Yes, it will. Wow. Uh, well, let's see who wants to take this. Uh, the war recap. Let's go to Dominic. What was your take? Uh, Monday Night Raw. I thought Raw was a good show again. Last week, last week I loved it. The return of Jericho, the return of The Miz, the, retain, uh, the, the return of, of, of AJ. I thought last week's Raw was a very good show. Last night's Raw, they had, they had a few stupid things on last night's Raw. And... You know, like I always say, when WWE does something great, it really is great. But when they do something stupid, it's one of the stupidest things you'd ever want to see. Like right now, right. right now the thing with Rusev, I'm already tired of that. I mean, <coughs> Lana, Lana is a hot piece of ass, but she should shut up. That's the same promos every week. Luke Harper and Eric Rowan against the Usos. How many more times are we going to see that? But there are no other tag teams. Now you got the Funkadactyl splitting up. They've been showing that too much. Randy Gordon against Dean Ambrose was, was a very good match last night. Del Rio and Ziggler, that match was unbelievable. But those two guys ain't going to get nowhere. They ain't going to do nothing with them. And to disgrace Damian Sandow week after week after week, this guy must have pissed off somebody. And Bret Hart last night, it's always good to see Bret Hart. Bret Hart's a class act, and 
He's yes. always been one of my favorites. Jericho beating the Miz was no surprise. And Kofi beating Antonio Cesaro. Now, I was surprised at that one. I was, too. Two weeks in a row. What the hell's going on with that? That makes that um, WrestleMania victory not, not as great now. Yeah, well, what I read on one of the websites, it says, even though Cesaro is losing, don't think twice about it, because it absolutely means nothing. Oh. To me, it means something. I would tell Cesaro, tell Paul Heyman, if he's so interested in Brock Lesnar, go and get Brock Lesnar and bring him back and leave me alone. Because I could beat all these people on my own without you. Well, eventually it's going to happen that Lesnar will come back. Yeah, he's supposed to be coming back, Brock Lesnar. Hell yeah. And I think they're going to do him and... Him and uh, who were they going to do? Him and Cena at WrestleMania? Is that what they're doing? I had heard that, yeah. Who's that? Cena and Brock, weren't they? Bryan would be figured into that, no? Who? Daniel Bryan, by the time that rolls around, would be figured into that match also. I would hope so. Yeah. Maybe just Daniel Bryan versus uh, Cena. Face versus face. You know, we yeah, haven't seen that in a while. Yeah, I take to that. McMahon don't like to do face versus face and heel versus heel. He don't He don't like that. He wants to put a bad guy against a good guy. Well, you had Ultimate Warrior and Hogan change his mind years ago. Yeah. Well, I don't call either of the two of those wrestlers anyway. I call them showmen. Because well, rest in peace, the, uh, warrior. I mean, between him and Hogan, they didn't know five moves between the two of them. Yeah, but in that, in that match, people think that was one of their better matches. Yeah, well, they didn't see Bruno and Pedro in Shea Stadium. That was a match. Yes, it was. Absolutely. Okay, Kurt Angle talks about... Uh, his first time meeting Stone Cold. Let's listen. Yeah. How approachable was uh, Steve Austin at this time? Man, he came in, and the first thing he said, he came up to me, it's a pleasure meeting you, and he goes, I cannot wait to work with you. And I didn't think I was that good of a wrestler at the time, but he saw that my character was really, you know, pretty strong. Um, so I didn't meet him right away. Um, uh, I met him when he got back from his neck surgery. And uh, he, um, I, the first thing I had to do with him was, I, was, I guess I was, did a pre-tape where I was offering him a, a gold medal for his uh, his candor and that you know that uh, you know uh, for being uh, such a good sport about you know being a Kurt Angle fan, quote unquote. But and then he just beat the hell out of me, you know. But um. Uh, you know, and then afterward he said, I can't wait to work with you, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. And he was right. Uh, I didn't think we'd have that much fun. But, um, you know, it, it, working with Steve, he also taught me a lot. You know, you have to remember, I was only in the business. At that point, when I was doing the program with Steve, I was only on TV a year and a half. So I was still relatively, relatively new to the business. But Steve taught me a lot in that time. He was a heel at the time, and I was a babyface. That's when I turned babyface. And uh, he taught me a lot of stuff at that time, and it really helped me. And he, 
he didn't like he didn't like calling the match in the back. He liked to do it out there, and I and I liked that. I, I trusted Steve. I wasn't worried about anything with Steve. So he he was a very very uh, very technical wrestler. You know, there, there are guys who like to call all of it in the back. And there are guys who like to call most of it in the ring. He's the kind of guy. He's an old school guy. All right. Okay, JJ, uh, let's talk about that, and let's talk about Kurt Angle's new role in TNA. Give me a summary. Well, I have heard that, uh, you know, that is a sort of a lost uh, art form when you have guys calling the match in the, in the middle of the match, in the ring, and these guys are calling the match. There aren't that many guys these days who can do that. There are very few and uh, definitely Austin is one of those guys. He's old school mentality, and you know he doesn't need to script everything backstage and have everything planned. You know he likes to to feed off the audience, and you know when the audience is uh, you know booing you or cheering you, he knows how to roll with the punches. So uh, you know I remember you know Austin and Angle had so many uh, great matches together, whether they were genuine matches or just their chemistry together. You know, when they were doing promos or segments, I remember during the Alliance days when they had WCW and WWE, and you had Kurt and Austin, and they brought a, a sense of humor to the show. How many times did you see, you know, Angle trying to be, you know, Austin's little buddy, or trying to suck up to, uh, you know, Stephanie and Shane McMahon? And I remember Kurt, who, you know, Kurt Angle, Olympic gold medalist. You know, when he first came into the WWE, he was dominating guys. He had his, uh, his undefeated streak. You know, uh, you know, he's one of the best technicians. I mean, like I said, a legitimate gold medalist. And he was able to take, you know, his background in amateur wrestling, apply it in pro wrestling, apply it in a sports entertainment to get reactions from fans. And uh, he's just been phenomenal ever since. And he's always had you know, really great matches, and, you know, he could embarrass anyone in the middle of that ring if he wanted to, but he's always had, you know, he's always been able to elevate other people that he's worked with, and uh, him and Austin, I always just thought they had a really, you know, great chemistry, like I said, their matches were lots of fun, WWF uh, Championship, and as I mentioned later, for the, you know, the Alliance, so uh, it, it was definitely very cool to hear, you know, Angle talking about Austin. You know, Austin is, you know, an old-school guy, and, you know, he, he didn't have a problem going out there and beating the hell out of you. you know, so it was always a lot of fun to see them work together. And, of course, as you mentioned, Angle right now, unfortunately, he's injured. He's not uh, competing in TNA, but he does have a new sort of role in TNA where he sort of replaced SVP as the director of operations, and now he's sort of sort of taken that sort of general manager position and now he's sort of in charge of PNA right now and he's sort of the one putting the matches together so it's very interesting to see what he does in that role it's a role that he's never really had before in the not in the WWE as a general manager so I'm very curious to see how that works for him today while he's you know injured hopefully we see him come back uh, in the ring soon I know his contract is coming up in a few months whether he re-signs with TNA or goes elsewhere, that remains to be seen. And uh, what's your thought, Dominic? Kurt Angle, Kurt Angle is a consummate wrestler. He can do it all, and he's so good he can make anybody look good that gets in the ring with him. 
And the Austin stuff with Kurt Angle was priceless. When Austin oh, yes. came back on a trip and he gave the big cowboy yes. hat to Vince and it fit real good, and Kurt says, didn't you bring me anything? He says, yeah, I got one for you too. And he gives him the kitty straw hat, cowboy hat that didn't even fit. And the string for it that goes around your neck was under Kurt's nose. And they're trying, he's trying to play the guitar and really just funny shit. They had such great chemistry, Austin and, and Kurt, in the ring and backstage, just all over. And Austin said something during an interview. I read it today. He said, they should stop having guys do scripted promos and just go out there and be yourself. But some guys can't talk. That's the problem. Yep. See, years ago, if a guy couldn't talk, they'd put a manager with him. Or he was from parts unknown. Or he was from wherever. If he wasn't able to speak that good. Now you have no managers to do that. Like Kamala. Yeah, exactly. Kamala, the Ugandan headhunter. He was Huggy Bear Harris from the United States before he became Kamala. Wow. wow. And all Albano's guys hardly ever spoke. The Mongols, Ivan Koloff never spoke at the beginning. Um, Freddie Blassie always managed foreigners. Strong Kobayashi never spoke. Louis Sear, a.k.a. Gilles Poisson, he, he never spoke. Crusher for Dude. Oh, Crusher for Dude, yeah, he never spoke neither. That was Albano's first guy. So a lot of guys didn't talk back then, but you had managers. You don't have managers no more. Now you got Valley no. the guys out, which which is good. You know, I I'd, I'd rather walk Heyman. out. Oh yeah, Paul Heyman. Yeah, but he's see he's he's like a lawyer, and all these people are his client. He never even uses the word "I'm his manager." That's right. Yep. Yep. Blackjack, what do you say? I agree with uh, everything what Dominic just said. I would say exactly what he just said. We're on the same page as far as that goes. Uh, absolutely. Okay, uh, what is the best WWE commentary team? Let's take a listen to this. John from California, if you had to choose the best commentary team in WWE history, who would you choose out of Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan against Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler? Personally, me, I would go with Gorilla and Bobby, hands down. And I love JR and the King. When they were at the peak, they were doing their thing. There's been no better announcer, single announcer in wrestling history than Jim Ross. He is the best. He is number one. But as a team, as great of, of uh, a chemistry as they had together, JR and King, nothing can top Monsoon and Heenan. Nothing. I mean, they, they were more jokey because, again, you know, Heenan was a, a funny guy. But when they had to get serious, they could get serious. So like when it came to the main event matches and that sort of thing, and Heenan had a history, let's say, with Hogan and hating Hogan, and so he would kind of bring that into his commentary. And look at what he did even with Flair at the Rumble in 92. What made his performance so great was he had that personal relationship with Flair, and he wanted so badly for Flair to win that he had a personal investment. You would almost think like if Flair didn't win, two guys were going to come out and, and put a slug in the back of Heenan's head. 
so when they had to be serious, they could be. I enjoyed the comic banter between them back and forth. I, I just you will not find two announcers or or people who had more chemistry in WWE than Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan. It's just not going to happen. They were entertaining. I mean, they were great. They were great in every way. And I grew up on that. So part of it is is the nostalgia of it. I'm a little bit biased. But if we have, you know, younger fans watching uh, the product now who don't know from Monsoon and Heenan, and they're listening to this podcast, and they're hearing about them, and they don't really have that frame of reference. I mean, now with the network, you can go back. They don't have those individual episodes. I mean, the real gold between them were like the episodes of primetime wrestling, and for whatever reason, those still are not up on the network. I don't know what the hell they're waiting for. They were on Classics On Demand. But you can go back and find old pay-per-views, I'm sure, where they did commentary together and find clips on YouTube. They were, they were awesome. I mean, you guys really missed out. I mean, if you were not part of that era and you really just have no concept of those two working together, you missed out, boy. <laughs> Let me tell you. I loved Ross and Lawler together, but they ain't number one. And, and if you wanted to know, I mean, my top, I'll tell you right now, my top three. Number one is Monsoon and Heenan. Number two would be J.R. and King. And number three would be, uh, you know, I, I'll say Vince McMahon and Jesse Ventura. Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse Ventura, they did the first few WrestleManias together. They were also very good. I, I, I'd almost put them neck and neck, but I like the chemistry that Vince and Jesse had and how Jesse would always mock McMahon and make fun of his toupee and stuff like that. And they did all those early Saturday Night's Main Event shows together. So that would probably be my top three. Gorilla and Bobby, Jr. and King, and then Vince and Jesse in that order. Just thinking about it, sitting here now, you know, thinking about that era of, of the announced teams compared to what we have now. It's just, fuck. <laughs> My God, what happened? What happened with announcing and wrestling? Jesus Christ. All right, Dominic, I want to go to you first on this. Uh, what do you think? Uh, well, Jay, good old JR, he's, he's right up there with Gordon Soley. Singularly, him and him and Jerry Lawler are very very funny. There's three guys now on commentary if you include JBL, but if I got to pick who's the funniest, without a doubt, Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan. They used to make me laugh my ass off. Bobby Heenan, oh I I saw what he did. Whoa, who did you see do what? The Masked Man in the ring. I know who the assassin is. That's the guy in the mask. Yeah, no kidding, Bobby. And the weasel suit. And if you mention Gorilla Monsoon to Bobby Heenan right now, he'll start crying. He loved Monsoon. They got along great. And it was more of... It was... The jokes, I don't even think, were scripted. I think they were just that good that they could feed off each other and... Be as be as funny as hell. Oh, brain, would you stop it? Why? What's the matter with that, gorilla? This place has gone bananas. I mean, that alone is funny. And Monsoon had some one-liners that were really funny. You know, like the you don't uh, know a wristwatch from a wristwatch. Yes, yes, indeed. And uh, let's go over to you, JJ. What's your uh, favorite combo? 
Well, I mean, I actually, actually, believe it or not, may surprise you guys, would have to agree with Dominic because my introduction to wrestling was Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan. When I was just a kid at the time, so I didn't really know a whole lot about announcers. So they were sort of my first sort of instinct when I heard, you know, announcers. I think Gorilla Monsoon, of course, coined the phrase, the irresistible force and the immovable object. I mean, that's legendary. Oh, yeah. An iconic soundbite. He also dubbed Bret Hart the excellence of execution. So Gorilla Monsoon, I mean, he just had so many just soundbites and so many great phrases. And, of course, you know, Bobby Heenan, I mean, my God, the guy is just classic. They even did a two-hour tribute to him on the WWE Network in Beyond the Ring. And he, he might as well, he should have been a comedian because he was so so quick. His improv, like Dominic said, I mean, it had to be unscripted. I think he was just one of those guys that flew by the seat of his pants. You know, he was just very quick, and he knew how to sort of stay in character and to bring that into his announcing. Of course, you know, as a weasel, as the heel manager, and he would always go, oh, I didn't see that. He put his foot on the rope, and I didn't see it. Or, you know, if you rake the eyes, I didn't see it. You know, he always he was so quick. And he was just always a lot of fun with Gorilla. I know a lot of today's uh, wrestling fans might say Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler just because they've been on television together for over a decade. You know, the, the whole Attitude Era, I'm not sure if that would have worked with anyone else other than Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler. And then you talk about today's wrestling with, you know, Michael Cole and JBL, and, you know, Lawler's still there. But, you know, the wrestling, the announcing today, it's, it's stale. We heard earlier, you know, when the Shield split, there was something missing there. And it was the right announcer to really sell that moment with passion. And you had, you know, Bobby Heenan who got real fired up. You had Jim Ross who got real fired up. And we don't have that today. You know, when Michael Cole does his phony laugh or when he, he tries to really, you know, embrace the moment and sell it hard, you know, it doesn't always just there's something missing from it and uh announcing today just isn't the same of what it used to be so i would have to say my favorite was you know bobby the brain heenan and gorilla monsoon to me they were the best uh blackjack what do you think i got a few favorites yeah i always love to see um let's say a person like uh vince and antonio rocca that uh uh Broadcast team, Vincent Bruno, Vincent oh, Heenan, uh, Vince and Patterson, uh, days like that. That's what I, I loved about the old days. And uh, you would see uh, them get into interviews, and uh, there would be a match between Bruno and, let's say, Stan Stasiak or something like that. And uh, Pat Patterson would, would get into things with Sergeant Slaughter. Uh, stuff like that, man. Paulie and Jim Ross had some great yeah. uh, commentary uh, uh, stuff. To, to, uh, stuff like that that would engage and uh, you would see future uh, matches from the uh, the Com- Comcast the broadcast team. You know, I mean, we saw like Cole and Lawler in, in a match. You know, but that, that was like kind of ridiculous. But uh, I. I Nothing like the old classical stuff. You remember that? Well, you know, like? Especially Rocker and Vince. I remember that. And Bruno and Vince, that was great. Yep, I remember that too. I got yep. one. 
nobody has mentioned is the great Joey Styles. Joey Styles had a brief uh, run in the WWE as uh, as uh, part of the announced team. JJ, what was your take yeah. when he was working with the WWE and ECW overall? ECW, you couldn't have had ECW without Joey Styles. He was the voice, and he was the only voice for a long period of time. He was just a one-man announcer. He didn't have, you know, someone behind him, whether it was Joel Gertner or Don Callis, who maybe joined the announce table briefly. But Joey Styles was the voice of ECW. I mean, oh, my God, uh, catfight. You know, his screams... I mean, nobody could sell ECW better than Joey Styles. You know, I, I don't think you could put anyone else in that position, and it wouldn't be the same. You know, Joey Styles was great. He came to WWE, and, of course, you know, he did the announcing there. And it was, I enjoyed his, you know, time in WWE. He was on Monday Night Raw for a long period of time, and then eventually they replaced him. They put him on Sci-Fi for ECW, but uh, eventually that didn't last too long. But... Uh, Again, Joey Styles definitely a favorite. You know, a lot of fans still wish that he were back announcing for WWE, but I think he's happy, you know, doing the stuff for the WWE.com, and he would rather do that than have Vince screaming in his ear. Uh, what about you, Dalek? Your take on Joey Styles? Oh, I love Joey Styles. He could be the one. He's he's a one man announce team. He didn't need nobody yeah. else. He did the jokes, yeah. he did the straight lines, and I remember this with Public Enemy, when Rocco Rock and Johnny Grunge set the table on fire, Joey Styles, I thought, was going to shit. All he screamed out loud, we got fire! <laughs> like he was the fire marshal or something, and walked into the building and saw that there was going to be a fire. And there was, with the flaming table. He was excellent, screaming cat fight, like J.J. said. Very funny and a great, great announcer. And I think he is better off where he is than having Vince yelling in his, in his headset because he knows what to do on his own. Yeah. He don't need no, 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 no cue cards or no, like, hey, you got to say this. That's Joey Styles. He knows his stuff. Oh, no question. And do you remember... Him calling the ECW one night stand, and him getting very angry with the then uh, late Mike Awesome. Oh yeah, he was didn't there. he get up and walk out on on some show? Joey Styles or was that on that. Raw? Yeah, that was Raw. Yeah. Oh, okay. That was on Raw. Sort of a quote unquote shoot. Yeah, right, right. I don't remember the Do thing with remember? Mike Awesome. Does anybody consider Michael Cole a great announcer? <laughs> no. He's knowledgeable. Does. He was a war correspondent, but that don't make you a good wrestling announcer. Yeah, uh, he is. Gotta agree. Well, gotta not agree. to the plate with that one, but uh, he, he's okay. I mean, uh, just in my mind, uh, I like the classic older, older style of wrestling. His brand of wrestling is of today's world, and which is pretty good. Now, you guys well, said before about something it? about the Shield breaking up, and yeah. the right announcer should be calling it. If that was Jr. 
that would have been un- unbelievable announcing. With yeah. them splitting yes. up, Jim Ross going, oh, my God, oh, my God. Like he used to say, talking sound bites. Yeah. J.O. Uh-huh. was the perfect guy to call that action. <laughs> what about uh, Shivani and Brain over on Nitro, Dominic? Yeah, I enjoyed them, too. I enjoyed them, too. But Bobby the Brain, he knew was his best with Monsoon. He was great. He was great with with Tony Schiavone, but nothing was better than him and Gorilla Monsoon. JJ, your take on uh, the uh, Nitro Crew, and especially with Schiavone and uh, and Heenan. Well, much like uh, even WWE, Nitro had its share of uh, announcers from Tony Schiavone, Bobby Heenan, Dusty Rhodes, uh, Scott Hudson, Mike Tenay. Uh, they had their full of announcements. Yeah, I mean they were all they were all good. He was the one that said, "Back to you, yeah. Tony and Bobby." <laughs> Why on Raw? Yeah, <laughs> yeah they about the spoilers. You know, they they would let you know what's going on on Monday Night Raw. Eric Bischoff too. Uh, it was it was a different time, man. Uh, it was it was different. They were taking a big risk. They put Heenan in there because he had the experience, and he, you know a lot of fans were familiar with him, especially if you were doing the switch on Monday nights. Oh, it's, you know, a familiar voice. But uh, it, it was uh, it was a lot of fun back then. Uh, absolutely. What about you, Blackjack? You were definitely around for the Nitro era. What did you Tony think Giovanni of their was a, Say again, King? Yeah, what was your take Giovanni? on the night? Yes. I thought he was great, along with Mike Tanay and Bobby Heenan. He brought that brand out and uh, identified with the wrestlers. He was, he, was a, he was great. Okay, now Daniel Bryan has not had the title for some time. The question is, will he ever be WWE World Champion again? Let's listen and talk All right, talk let's get into the some side. of the uh, other questions here. This comes from Tom. WWE is known for punishing wrestlers who get injured during a big push, like Dolph Ziggler or Christian. Do you think the McMahons are offended that Daniel Bryan got injured after his huge push? Do you think that Bryan will be punished once he returns to a full-time schedule? Will he ever be awarded another opportunity like this ever again? I wouldn't use the word punish. I don't think they're punishing anybody on purpose for getting hurt. I, I just think it's a case where guys get hurt and they kind of lose faith in them. They think they're uh, soft or they think that in some way they've let down the company by getting hurt at a, an inopportune time or they just lose interest. Maybe they're pushing somebody like Fandango who was getting a big push at the time and he got hurt and there were rumors that he was going to win the Intercontinental title. I remember Steve Austin on his podcast around WrestleMania time last year proclaiming, I proclaim that within six months, Fandango was going to be the Intercontinental Champion. And it looked like he was on his way, and then he got hurt. And when he came back, he was never pushed at that same level. He was never pushed as hard as he was before he got hurt. I don't think they were punishing the guy. I just think that he had his time, and it's a, you know, it's a cruel business. And when you go down, that's why guys would hide injuries all the time. And probably still do, but it, it was probably more prevalent back in the day when uh, the wellness policy, they weren't as strict with certain things now with testing and all that, but guys would constantly hide injuries because they didn't want anybody knowing they were so hurt because they didn't want to lose their spot. 
maybe they were getting pushed, they were making more money, and, you know, they have an injury, oh, well, it's not broken, so I'll just, you know, I'll gut through it. But then that's how you get hooked on painkillers, and that's what happened to a lot of guys. You know, you could say, well, that's the company's fault. Is it really the company's fault? It's, it's the wrestlers in a lot of cases who just made the decision, I don't want to lose my spot, and so I'm going to do what I have to do to make sure I maintain that spot. And they're big boys, and they can make their own decisions, and that's a lot of the time what, what would happen. Um, do I think that Daniel Bryan is going to uh, get another opportunity like that ever again? No. No, I don't. And in fact, if Bryan is not coming back next month, I think there's the off chance that he might. Uh, but if he doesn't, and he's going to be out until SummerSlam, if he might be out beyond SummerSlam, that makes it worse. I think we may have seen the last of Daniel Bryan as the WWE champion. I'm, I'm not convinced at all that he's ever going to get that belt back. And, you know, if he doesn't, then it was a nice run as far as uh, his march to the title and he got that big win in the main event of WrestleMania 30 and nobody can take that away from him. And I'd love to see him get another shot and mix it up with, with some other guys or have, the, uh, you know, the rematch with Cena. I thought they had a great match at SummerSlam last year and mix it up with the Seth Rollins. I think that'd be an awesome feud. And maybe he will, but I don't know that it's going to be for the belt. I think there's a very good chance we've seen the last of Daniel Bryan as the WWE champion or, you know, featured in main events on pay-per-views like he was before. I think those days may be over. And that's a shame. You know, he didn't ask for the injury. It just kind of built up over time, and he had to go have it taken care of, and the timing sucked. The timing could not have been worse. But when it comes to your neck, you know, you don't fuck around with that. There's not a whole lot that you can do. Pretty bold statement, JJ. What do you say? Yeah, neck injuries are very severe. I mean, a lot of uh, the reports beforehand were that, you know, the surgery was It wasn't that serious. But unfortunately, anytime you do have a surgery and you go in there to see what's going on, it could be a lot more serious than you expect. And unfortunately for Daniel Bryan, that seemed to be the case. And the fact that he still hasn't gained a lot of strength in uh, his arm, the fact that he may need a second surgery, you know, that's uh, it's not a good sign for him. I mean, just look at uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin's career. Look at Edge. His career came to an end yeah. very quickly because of neck surgery. In fact, another superstar was forced into retirement because of uh, neck, nagging neck injuries, and that actually just happened this past week, and that's Santino Morella. Santino Morella is actually retired. He is no longer wrestling for the WWE. You know, he came back from a neck injury, and he just re-aggravated a, a couple weeks ago, and he announced uh, his, in his hometown, I think in Toronto, Canada, that, you know, his days as an in-ring competitor are over. He's, he's pretty much retired right now. He's still employed by WWE. He may be, you know, looking at doing something else like being a manager, being, you know, the manager of Emma, although she's got her own troubles right now, uh, maybe a potential general manager. I mean, the one thing about Santino Morella is he's very well-rounded. He, you know, he's a, he's a character. He's not just a wrestler. He, you know, when Dominic talked about guys who can't talk and you had a manager, Santino can talk. He, he's very silly. And oftentimes, you know, I look at Eric Young, you know, who was very silly in his time in TNA, but then he got very serious. And I like that serious side of Eric Young. I think we could potentially see a serious side to Santino. I could see him maybe as a general manager and, 
you know, uh, you know, he could do the things fans want to see as a fan favorite. He can make, you know, the matches fans want to see. But at the same time, he could be bullied by the authority. So, uh, you know, that's Santino Morella. But back to Daniel Bryan, you know, it's hard to say. You know, if he comes back before SummerSlam, could he potentially, you know, be back and thrust into the main event scene? Maybe. You know, if he comes back uh, after SummerSlam, if he comes back, you know, six months from now, you know, I don't know. It depends on his momentum, whether or not the, the Yes movement is still as strong as it was during WrestleMania, the fan support, if it's still there. A lot's changing in WWE right now. You know, we look at CM Punk, who walked out in January. The landscape in the WWE has changed in the past six months. Like I said, you got Bray Wyatt, who's now main eventing. You have Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, who split from S.H.I.E.L.D., and now they're individuals, and they're trying to make their individual success. So now you've got three more guys who are added to the main event scene. And you've got, you know, Rollins, who's main eventing, and Cena. You have Roman Reigns, who's tagging with Cena in main eventing. So you're getting a bigger and bigger picture, which means guys who were on top are going to be pushed aside and lose the spot. So when Daniel Bryan comes back, if he comes back, he could be coming back to a very different WWE. I mean, I hope he comes back. I hope he's healthy. I hope he can still go. We've heard lots of people say he may have to tone down, you know, his ring and, you know, those double drop kicks he does off the top rope, those, you know, moves where he's, you know, flying outside the ring. I mean, he's like lightning. He's so quick. But, uh, you know, it's definitely going to be an adjustment period for Daniel Bryan if he comes back. I would like to think that the WWE would give him that opportunity, whether or not he's, you know, the champion again, he would at least be positioned to feud with the champion, whether it's Brock Lesnar, whether it's Seth Rollins or Bray Wyatt. I think, you know, you've got to have Daniel Bryan. He's one of your top guys right now. You know, unlike, you know, Dolph Ziggler, who was rising to the top, Daniel Bryan, when he won at WrestleMania, and he main-evented WrestleMania, in my mind, he became one of their made guys. He's one of their top guys. Dolph Ziggler's not one of the top guys. Dolph Ziggler's still climbing that ladder. Daniel Bryan climbed the ladder. There's nothing more to do. I mean, he's a, he main-evented WrestleMania, for God's sake. He won the world title. There's nothing more you can do beyond that. So he's one of their top guys. And for him to just be pushed back and to go after the United States title, Intercontinental title, at least right away, I don't see that happening. But uh, like I said, anything can happen between now and then. Okay, Dominic, so say you. Yeah, I wish Daniel Bryan well, and I hope when he does come back, he's like where he left off at. I think he's going to be champion again. He's not getting the strength back in his, in, in, in his arm, which is which is unfortunate. And, yeah, second surgery. J.J.'s right. I read that, too. He's supposedly getting maybe another surgery. If that happens, and I don't want it to happen, but it may change the whole concept of, of him coming back. Yeah. Maybe we'll, we'll still have the yes movement, but will Daniel Bryan be placed in that opportunity again? I hope so, and I think it. I think it's rightfully so, because he didn't mean to get hurt. You know, he didn't. He didn't hit himself in the neck on purpose and say, "Fuck it, I want to sit out for a while." He got. He got right. hurt doing one of his 
usual moves. Just so happens it, it happened to go wrong at that time, and an un- unfortunate time. Yeah. Yeah, he was on top of the world, the wrestling world, and uh, nothing was stopping him, and the only thing that would stop him was an injury. And so happens that what bad timing for poor, for poor Daniel Bryan. Uh, I mean, that couldn't happen to a nicer guy. And it's such a shame because this guy was getting pushed. Everybody was happy. The yes movement was at uh, on fire, if you will. Today, I mean, the, way the yes they, The way they got the surgeries done today, I'm sure Daniel Bryan will be okay. Look at Bruno Sammartino when he had that lariat Look at done Stone upon Cold him. Steve Austin. Look He's at Edge. I don't Look I've really Edge ever seen a wrestler not coming back from an injury. So he'll Look be back. That yes, yes, Steve yes will be all down again. Yeah, Bruno came back no. from that broken neck. Some guys just, just can't, like Dean Malenko. Exactly. Yeah, some guys are just really never the same. And Edge is the best example. Yeah. You know, Edge is only in his thirties when he had to call it a night. Yeah, but That's then terrible. again he was always already hurt and then still came out without saying anything. Classic example. He WrestleMania and lost it or something really quick because they knew he was finished. He didn't have any of those those tag team crazy matches that left in him anymore. He was finished from that injury. And the doctor told him and and this time around Vince said, You know what? You're not going back out. We're in previous years before all the, the you know the scandals hit, Vince would say, you know, take your painkillers and go out there and do what you gotta do. Look at now John Cena. Look at shit. Triple H. These people been known to come back. There was a, a injury yeah, where Triple H come back. these guys know, you though. never thought it would come back. But they came back. You'll see uh, Daniel Bryan come back as well. It's a different time with the wellness policy. Plus, Bruno never competed in a TLC match like Edge. Those That's matches right. Is off your career. Bruno was hey, never in those type of matches. And, uh, Bruno had one never behind, his body behind, like behind his back and still beat these guys. That might be, but Bruno was never in this era, so you can't compare it. It's just a different thing. Bruno was one of the greatest, but not that... Uh, be mistaken, but that's not his era. Uh, different things here. So that's the situation. I'm just going by the injuries and the, the wellness policy, as JJ was alluding to, is very strict now not as opposed to 10 years. Yeah. We're not letting guys go out there. Guys with the wellness policy, look at Hulk Hogan, look at Mick Foley. These guys will never step foot inside a WWE ring. I mean, if Hogan had it his way, he would have wrestled a match against Cena at WrestleMania. Oh, my if God. If he had it his way. A wellness policy. That's what he had. He had it his way. Right. But he don't have it his way. And he's not going to have it his way. You'll never see Hogan in the ring with all those injuries. Not this time around. Only through those games. 
the days of Hogan uh, is officially over. And that's, some and might that's say a good thing. I was about to say, some might say, thank God. Yeah, but really. <laughs> that's another story, of course. But injuries... Uh, I still think he was great for the business, so... Say what uh, you will Daniel about Bryan his wrestling style. He's still one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Last week, showman. he came out and made sure the fans knew that, listen, I'm not coming back anytime soon. They're not going to bring him out there and, and, and have him say, oh, by the way, I'm not, not going to be coming back soon, you know, just to say it, to get the fans mad. He's not coming back. He'll be maybe on TV, Who? but he is not going to be wrestling anytime soon. Who are you talking maybe about? Maybe next Bryan? year. Absolutely. Daniel Bryan is not coming back. You want a better dinner on Daniel Bryan said it. He said it. It's I don't care what, what he said. You know, I'll maybe you next dinner, year. Brother. He'll be back. He will be back. He's not coming back in two months. I'm telling you that. I'm just saying the man will be back. Yeah, eventually, but not right away. He waiting you never for the heal now. It's a whole new uh, era in uh, WWE. And uh, that was that pay-per-view with John Cena where I did predict that he would be, unfortunately, the uh, next one in line to get the title. And uh, by golly, he got that title. He was so wrapped up with that Bray Wyatt. That surprised the hell out of me. John Cena is now in the same class, well, not in my opinion, but just record-wise, as Ric Flair. Well, he's close to Ric Flair in the title reigns. But in actual reality, Ric Flair is apples and oranges compared to John Cena. I mean, let's call it spade a spade. Amen. But... Yeah, I mean, let's keep it real on that. Everybody that, you know, that grew up as a wrestling fan knows that Ric Flair is an A1A wrestler and John Cena is a cartoon character. There's a difference. Ric Flair was loved by kids, by adults, by by young men, by young girls, by everybody. That's right. The only way John Cena could be be better than Ric Flair is if there's an arena right down the road, but there's a signpost before that. That arena is located in the Twilight Zone. Or in a video game. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, or in a video video game. (laughs) Yeah, the video game, you can do anything you want. Right. I've heard the, right. the latest right. video game, they're going to allow a wrestler to take a shit in the ring and have the other guy slide on it. Oh, and hell no. the pinfall. Oh, my God. Yeah, that'll be a crappy oh. match to watch regardless. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And uh, I want to go around the panel and ask 
what everybody thought of the hitman yesterday. Um, I thought he definitely sounded okay, but his hair was a different color, J.J. You want to explain? Well, I give credit to Brett for not going out there and doing a die job like, let's say, Kevin Nash or something. He's not trying to relive his glory days, you know. He's, he's not the same hitman he used to be. You know, he's another case where injuries happen and he can't wrestle anymore. He's embracing his gray roots. You know, more power to him. You know, I'd rather see him just go out there and be himself. You know, the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. And, you know, he was out there, you know, not always the greatest, you know, promo speaker, but he's in Montreal, Canada. I mean, that is Bret Hart country. They love him like no other in Montreal, especially after what happened in 97, to see him come back there and to be in WWE on good terms and to be welcomed and embraced. The fans were awesome on Monday. They were loud throughout the three hours of Raw. And, you know, Brett was out there, and, you know, he had a nice moment with Jerry Lawler. They kind of joked about the last time they were in Montreal, and Jerry Lawler had his heart attack on Bret Hart Appreciation Night. So they're hopefully <laughs> again. So luckily King was okay. King survived Raw, and Brett was there. And, of course, to make the show just a little more fun, they brought Damian Sandow yet again doing another of his wacky characters that he does every week. Again, this isn't something new that we've seen in WWE. We've seen Big Show dress up like Hulk Hogan. We've seen Charlie yeah. Haas hate a superstar or a legend every week. So now it seems that Damian Sandow is doing this. He's dressed up as Magneto, as a rapper, as a ballerina, as a basketball player, Sherlock Holmes, Davy Crockett, Abe Lincoln, Paul Revere, Bruce Springsteen, Vince McMahon even. And then last night on Monday Night Raw in Montreal, he dressed up as Brett the Hitman Sandow. <laughs> it oh, was good. I was really hoping that in Montreal, of all places, they would actually let Sandow, you know, get embraced by the fans, dressing up like, you know, their you know, hometown hero, their Canadian hero, Brett. And he had a match against Sheamus. And, you know, Seamus, here you have Seamus beating up this Bret Hart imposter, and the fans are cheering it. You would think they would actually cheer the guy dressed up like Bret Hart, but uh, that actually didn't happen. But, you know, it was, uh, it was what it was, and it was, uh, you know, an all right segment. You know, me, again, I'm a Bret Hart guy, so it's always nice to see him back in the, in the ring, just to see him there and to interact with the fans, especially the Canadian fans who love him so much. You know, it was a really nice moment. And uh, as far as the Damien Sandow personas goes, that was probably my favorite. It's just a shame they didn't let him actually win the match. Mm, what about you, Dominic? Uh, my favorite Damien Sandow was Vince McMahon, without a doubt. And I thought, I kind of thought last night the fans were going to cheer for Sandow because he was imitating Bret Hart. Yeah. I thought, yeah, I thought that for a minute. But then I said, he's the heel. He's playing the idiot week after week. What's they going to embrace Sheamus? Yeah. And when he came out as the ballerina, that, that was the friggin' worst. That was yeah. horrible. It was flesh tone, and he looked like he was friggin' naked. And I said, I don't need to see this shit. They did that with Naked Midian back in the day. When oh, he wore that stocking Oh, my suit. God. 
Remember that? When was that? Naked Midian. Yeah. What year was this? Mike Jack, that, I remember that. that. During the when they did Naked Midian. And he you had know, I sh- remember it, and I don't remember it. <laughs> he he, he would just streak it. through the arena. He would just run through the arena with a fanny pack on oh, yeah. where, where his crotch is. And it was almost like a see-through bodysuit that a chick would wear. But you never saw nothing because he probably had something on underneath there, and the fanny pack was blocking the view of... Of his dick hanging out. Wasn't that Phineas Godwin? <laughs> Who, me? Well, uh, I'll give you yeah, a that little was Phineas, one. Yeah. Phineas Godwin. Do you remember That's right. Harry That's right. Reynolds, Marlena, on Shotgun Saturday night when she showed her tits? Oh, my God. God bless those titties. When God <laughs> created titties, God, when God created titties, he took off a special day for that. God didn't rest on Sunday. There was no day of rest for him. Sunday is a day that God created tits. Amen. And uh, Marlena really knew how to show it on the uh, first episode of uh, Shotgun Saturday Night. I remember uh, it was um, Rakishi under a mask as the sultan. But yeah, somebody was his right. manager and kept covering his eyes. Like, don't look. Who uh, was his manager? Oh, God. Oh, uh... The oh, boy. It wasn't the, was it the Iron Sheik? No. Iron Sheik. I think so. I don't yes, know. He was somebody was jumping up and down trying to cover the Sultan's eyes. Somebody, I don't, uh, I don't remember. Well, it's very interesting nonetheless. I'll put it on my hotline to see if anybody remembers that. Yes. Uh, I did want to uh, talk about, finish up that last segment, David, with the uh, Bully Ray, the final clip where he talks about Paul Heyman. Uh, let's... Talk about it on the other side. Just had uh, decided to go to Middletown, New York, to, to check out ECW, which he thought was one of the worst wrestling companies in the world. Yep. And then what happens? My, my friends dared me to go. I said I, I wasn't going to go. I wasn't going to go. I don't want to, you know, wrestle for that company. And I was, I was just about at my wit's end with wrestling. Nothing had really happened for me. I gave myself a five-year window. I said, if I don't make it in five years, if I don't sign a deal or get something, um, I'm just going to... What was your backup? Porn, porn star again? No, I was just going to go into the family business. You know, my family was in, like, oil and restaurants, so I always... You mafia. Know, I, yeah, mafia. Yeah, mafia. basically, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. There is no such thing as the mafia, Chris. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so uh, I, I show up there. Now, I had known Dreamer. And I had known Taz from working, you know, IWCCW with Savoldi's. And uh, so we get there, and I saw Dreamer, and I said, hey, listen, Tommy, I brought my, I, I brought my pictures, and I brought my, my, my tape. I said, if there's any way possible, you could, you know, get me on the show. And uh, he goes, uh, stay right here. I waited there about five minutes, comes back. He goes, okay, I just spoke to Paul. He's the owner. He's the promoter. He goes, uh, you're going to be on the show. But no matter what they ask you to do, make sure you do it the best you possibly can, you know, make sure you knock it out of the park. I was like, great, no problem. Put my gear on. It's about 10 minutes before the show's supposed to start. I don't know what I'm doing. The show starts. I don't know what I'm doing. 
<laughs> Third match is in the ring. Still don't know what I'm doing. Don't know who I'm wrestling with. Don't know who I'm working with. Mm-hmm. Fifth match. Sixth match. Finally, panic sets in. There's only two matches left, and I don't know what I'm doing. Now I think, well, maybe they're just testing me to see how my attitude is. So I go up to Paul. I go, excuse me, sir. I know you're really busy. I'm sorry, but I still don't know what I'm doing. He looks at me and goes, relax, kid. When the time's right, you'll know. <laughs> Looking at my watch, the time's right. There's only two more matches. You know? The main event is about to go in the ring. The Pitbulls versus the public enemy. And this is when Bill Alfonso was a referee and 911 was trying to choke slam him. Mm-hmm. That was the big story. Mm-hmm. Paul pulls me on the side. He goes, okay, kid, you're in the main event. You're Bill Alfonso's new bodyguard. Your name is Mongo Vile. You are going to make sure 911 doesn't choke slam him, but when the time is right, 911 is going to choke slam you. You can't take a choke slam, can't you? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir, absolutely. I go out there in the main event, and I have to protect Bill Alfonso. Time's right. 911 gave me a huge choke slam. I took it like a monster, got way up there for him. Came back through the curtain, and as I come back, there's Paul sitting there, and he goes, Great job, kid. How do you feel about shaving your head? Now, backstory. My, <laughs> at that time, I looked like a cross between Max Payne and Brian Nobbs. <laughs> so you had the, the, the mohawk I had, mullet? I had the long mullet, you know, it got, kind of got curly at the end. You I know? can't even imagine that. Yeah. I wasn't exactly, you know, ready for the cover of GQ, <laughs> you know? So uh, my, here's the backstory. My two biggest fears coming up in the wrestling business is I never wanted to shave my head, mm-hmm. and I never wanted the nickname Bubba. Really? Yeah. What, had somebody you knew been called Bubba? I just never wanted the fat guy name. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, um, Did you ever tell anybody this? Nobody knew my wow. two biggest fears. Nobody. Because in wrestling, if they course, know what your fears are. That's you know? exactly what it would be. So, uh, so um, he, he looks at me, great job, kid. How do you feel about shaving your head? And I was, I was dumbfounded. I was like, oh, no. What, what am I going to do? And he goes... Looks at me, he goes, don't worry. If you don't want to shave your head, we can find something else for you. That moment right there I knew. That was my opportunity. Mm-hmm. That was opportunity knocking. The next day I called my friend Joe. I said, take it all off. So I shaved my head. I get a call from Dreamer. says, show up to the ECW arena in two weeks. We're taping TV. We're going to make you a Dudley. Did the Dudleys exist at that point? Yes, yeah. the Dudleys existed. There was uh, there was Big Dick Dudley. There was Dudley Dudley dances with Dudley. There was a bunch there of was them there. A, a guy I used to live with in Smoky Mountain was actually Snot Dudley. Yeah, little Anthony, Snot Dudley. Anthony Michaels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So um, I show up and I, I wound up doing some run in and you know take maybe taking another choke slam from nine one one or whatever. But I didn't have a name. I didn't have a character. I didn't have an identity. And originally, the next Dudley was supposed to be a skinhead Dudley. Mm-hmm. But I didn't exactly fit the skinhead role. Mm-hmm. So we, get into the, we, we go to the back of the ECW arena, as you know, 3 o'clock in the morning. We're doing promos. The whole company <laughs> sticks around. You yeah. know? It was really like a team back then. It was a very different you know, it was. feel. And yeah. everybody watched everybody's promos. And we you know, encouraged each other. And you know, we were there for each other. So, okay, I have to do my promo. And... Now they can't find a name for me, and people are just shouting out names. Well, he looks like a Billy Bob. He looks like a Bobby Joe. He looks like a, you know, this. They're coming up with all these redneck names, and then somebody goes, hey, he looks like a Bubba. And I just remember saying to myself, oh, dear God, please, (laughs) please. Billy Bob's good. Billy Bob's great. I hope they didn't hear that. And somebody goes, yeah, he does look like a Bubba. He looks like a Bubba Joe. He looks like a Bubba Bob. 
Bubba Ray. Bubba Ray. You're Bubba Ray Dudley. And that's it. Wow. And that's it. I started stuttering and dancing. <laughs> well, the, the, the backstory of the of the of the Dudleys are they were the, the, the dad was a jobber who was no, he was not a jobber. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting to pull that line all day. The Dudleys, the, the Dudleys' dad was a, was a, a journeyman wrestler yeah. who went from territory to territory and and had all these different kids with different mothers, basically, right? Right. right. That's what it was. Yep. So so where did the stuttering come into play? It, uh, Bubba Ray Dudley was a product of Big Daddy. Dudley watching the movie Deliverance one too many times. Okay. So I was this inbred, backwards, you know, guy. But then when the music played, I could dance, and I had a stuttering problem. And Glasses. Yeah, the whole nine yards. And the Dudleys, you know, they, you know, the Hanson brothers from, you know, Slash, yes. which I'm sure you know, being, you know, of dad course. being a hockey player, and of you being a hockey fan. and Classic. So uh, that's how the Dudleys were born out of the Hanson brothers. You know, big, goofy-looking guys, inbred brothers who could kick your, you know, kick your ass once they got on the ice or in the ring. So that's how the Dudleys were born. And that was such a, a great example of what ECW was. Like you mentioned, there was a lot of, you know, there was some of the most hardcore wrestling you'd ever see, some of the most garbage wrestling, some of the most technical, amazing promos, great characters. I still remember you and uh, Blue Meanie doing the old mirror image thing where, like, he put yep. his hand up and you put your hand up and he waved his hand, you waved. It was, like, so stupid but so incredibly entertaining. And ECW, really, at that point in time, you could never recreate that in any other promotion because the way that the world was at the time, it was the first people had seen of this kind of amalgamation of styles. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's, I think, one of the reasons why ECW got so popular. Would you agree with that? No doubt. It was special. I mean, we were... We were like the Ramones or the Sex Pistols of the wrestling yes. business. You know, we were brash, in your face, edgy. People didn't know what they were going to get. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to get, but I know I can't miss it. Right. You know, um, a quick interesting aside from on that that same night I debuted in Middletown, New York, on September 28th, 1995. Mm-hmm. Another pretty well-known guy debuted in ECW that night. You might know him. Who's that? Stone Cold Steve Austin. Really? That's the night that he showed up and did the, his Hulk Hogan imitation. Mm. You know, and that was his first night. He did a promo with the Sandman, and then you know Steve spent about uh, maybe a little less than six months in ECW before he left for the WWE. And Steve will be the first to admit. Oh yeah. Took the finish from Mikey Whipwreck. Yeah. And basically, you know, molded Stone Cold Steve Austin around. The Sandman. We, yeah, well, elements of it. We yeah. talked about that on this show, and also not only that, but it gave him a chance to really uh, break loose promo-wise. Yes. To do anything he wanted to do and, and really, you know, Steve's a funny guy. He's very charismatic, but he didn't have the chains of being in the big-time company that WCW had put on him. And, Correct. I mean, ECW, like, you know, I, I was only there for six months, too, but I had wanted to get in there for a whole year beforehand because I was working in Japan pretty much exclusively at the time. And if you worked in Japan in the mid-90s, you knew two things, ECW and Rey Mysterio Jr., because that's all they showed in the magazines. ECW, this, 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 and Rey Mysterio everywhere. Right. And uh, I, like I said, I tried to get in for a year. I called Paul Heyman for a year, and I got Paul Heyman's roommate, Dave, <laughs> a.k.a. Paul Heyman. I got, uh, I got Jimmy Snuka on the other line, and I'll be right back which he used on everybody, he, I couldn't get through. And then, of course, when I finally got through to him, he's like, I've been trying to contact you for a year. Yep. <laughs> you know, but that was, like you said, the mad scientist genius of Paul. Yeah. You know, uh, but it really was, you know, they talked about the revolution. Unless you were in that locker room, you really could understand that it was just that. Bingo. That's, you know? I mean, unless, 
when I hear people, you know, uh, put down ECW, speak negatively, or, or have this, you know, these crazy opinions about it, the first thing I ever said, you've never been in the locker room. You don't understand what it was about. Mm-hmm. You're jealous. Mm-hmm. So many people jealous of ECW and what it really was. It truly was a revolution. Mm-hmm. Paul was able to create this sense of urgency amongst the fans and amongst the wrestlers where we're going to go out there and we're going to really take this industry by the balls and make people sit up and take notice. Yeah. And he did. Yeah. You know, ECW wound up becoming the, you know, becoming Napster. Napster at the end of the day went out of business because of just bad financial moves, but it also revolutionized music. That's true. Yeah. And anybody, nobody can sit there. I'll take any mind from 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 you know a guy that just stepped foot in the business to Vince McMahon, you cannot sit there and look me in the eyes and tell me ECW did not revolutionize the entire wrestling industry. Mm-hmm. I it's, agree. It's fact. Oh, absolutely. That's not opinion. It's fact. Fact. There would be no such thing as an attitude era mm-hmm. if it wasn't for that little company in South Philly running out of a bingo hall. Absolutely. But even even more than that, it's like. There's so many, it's like Anthrax. There's so many things that Anthrax did first that no one remembers. Wearing shorts on stage, bald guy with beard, rap metal. ECW not only had, you know, the, the hardcore wrestling, three-way dance. Never heard of that before. Now, now triple threats. You're probably going to see a triple threat in the main event of WrestleMania this mm-hmm. year. You know, that never happened as far as I know. And I was a big wrestling fan. I never saw a triple threat match until it was the three-way dance. So there was a lot of those type of things that, that started Another thing that I noticed that I've never experienced this before or since, and I've been in the business, we started probably at the same time and worked for everybody, was the feeling of camaraderie amongst the guys, which you mentioned, but also before every show. Paul Paul would come and stand on that little top of the stairs in the backstage dressing room and give the Newt Rockney speech. You know, I, I, these are the finest athletes in the world that were cast out by every, you know, It was like a, a southern preacher would get you so pumped up that you would go out there and you would kill. You would kill for him. There's no doubt. And Paul was so good at being a motivator. Yes. And so good at protecting his company when everybody knew his company was sinking. Mm. You know, the boys knew that there were financial problems and who who hadn't been paid in a month or in six months. I can honestly say Paul has always paid me Me and Devon, never owed me and Devon a dime. But to see him be able to talk to guys that had not been paid, who are about to go put their hands behind their back and take a steel chair over the head and motivate them enough to go and want to do that and do it with a smile on their face. That's why the man's a genius. Yeah. He's a genius from what he was able to create as far as a product, a genius in the way he could hide people's flaws yeah. and accentuate their positives, Absolutely. and a genius in keeping his company afloat mm-hmm. when it was on its way down. Mm-hmm. See, but I, I was there in 95... Uh, wow, JJ, uh, your thoughts on Paul Heyman, as you know him? Well, I mean, Paul Heyman, he's a guy who could sell binoculars to a blind man. I mean, Paul Heyman is just uh, a remarkable talent, his knowledge of the business. He knows what works, what doesn't. And really what, you know, Jericho and then Bubba or Bully Ray were saying is, you know, that's the funny thing about ECW when you look at it. 
you know, a lot of the outsiders who saw ECW said, oh, it's garbage wrestling, or, you know, if you watch WWE, you would always hear Jerry Lawler call it, you know, extremely crappy wrestling. Don't put your clothes but, on thing is, it wasn't just about the barbed wire, it wasn't just about the tables, you know, you had technical skilled guys, you know, maybe you would talk about, you know, the extreme moments, you know, those were moments that you really captivated you, but you, know, you had talented, you know, workers, guys like Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko, Jericho, Jerry Lynn, Two Cold Scorpio, uh, luchadors like you know, like I said, Mysterio, Super Crazy, uh, Juventus Lance Guerrero, Storm. Lance Storm. It was a phenomenal, the technical wrestler. I mean, so many guys, Jerry Lynn, amazing, who could just put on phenomenal technical matches, not just you know, jumping over the head with you know chair shots. I mean, guys who could wrestle. So, I mean, it's funny that Bully, when he first heard about ECW, he goes, there's no way in hell I'm going there. And yet he did, and he realized that, you know, wow, this isn't really what I thought it was. It's actually, it really is something special, and it's something that you only knew if you were a part of it, if you were, you know, part of that revolution that really changed the business. I mean, could you imagine WrestleMania 22? Could you believe that at WrestleMania, I want you to think back to WrestleMania 1 with Hogan and Mr. Wonderful and Mr. T. Oh Could you imagine fire in a WrestleMania? Could you picture Hulk Hogan wrestling, you know, Rowdy Piper or the Ultimate Warrior, Randy Savage, and lighting a table on fire? Because that's what happened at WrestleMania 22 with Edge and Mick Foley. They lit a table on fire at the biggest show of the year, WrestleMania. And why did they do that? Because of the influence that ECW had, the introduction to fire, the introduction to tables in the United States. And as he pointed out, the three-way dance, the four-way dance, could you imagine WrestleMania 20, WrestleMania 30, which did have triple threat matches? And those all go back to the days ECW, the way they really did change the business. And they were unlike anything else that was going on in wrestling. And it really did give birth to the Attitude Era, to the NWO and that sort of gang mentality. And just, you know, that rebelling against the authority and the rebelling against the networks and, you know, the FCC. And it, you saw anything and you didn't know what to expect in ECW. And, you know, back to Bully Ray, we talked about Kane and the evolution of Kane. What about the evolution of Bully Ray when he came in as Bubba Ray Dudley and he kind of stuttered. He didn't say much. He was kind of goofy and wacky. And then to what he is today as Bully Ray, where as Dominic, as Blackjack, as yourself, King, it says he's probably the best, you know, well-rounded wrestler in the business today. His promos, his in-ring ability, his way that he makes the connection with the fans, to tell a story in the middle of the ring, he's probably the best right now in wrestling. I mean, he's really changed so much since his early days in ECW, and a lot of that goes to Paul Heyman and the fact that he really believed in those guys. Whether they were the greatest or the worst, Heyman made you believe in them. He showed you their, their, the greatness that they had within them, and he hid their weakness. So that's something that, you know, was very special about Paul Heyman and how he could see a talent and how he could, well, you know, make money off that talent. So, I mean, uh, just ECW and Paul Heyman, 
you know, there, there's this kind of thing you only see once a, a lifetime. I don't think you'll ever see anything close to uh, ECW, especially the impact that they had on this business. All right, Blackjack, what do you think of Paul Heyman and the commentary? I mean, um, you were with me a couple of times. We witnessed uh, history in the making with ECW, the genius of Paulie, the dealing with the Dudleys, um, the whole organization. People would work for nothing, even if they knew they were going to get a bounce check or no check at all. Uh, we've seen stuff like that. We've seen some unbelievable things. we even seen uh, the fight that time between uh, Sabu and Paul Lee, where Sabu walked out of the whole oh, yeah. uh, uh, pay-per-view. Oh, um, yeah. We've seen so many things that you never even heard of that actually did happen, and the realistic things that did happen. It was just almost glad to be a part of it. Dominic, your thoughts? Well, I love DCW very, very much. Right. You had a lot of guys there that we saw before, guys like Shane Douglas, the franchise, because it used to be Eastern Championship Wrestling. And then when it turned over to ECW Extreme Championship Wrestling, it just gave every, every different guy their own individual identity. They weren't clones of one another. You know, you had you had so many different type of wrestlers that can wrestle. And even the guys that would decide, I'm going to put you through a table, they could also wrestle besides do that. And tag teams, psh, the Eliminators, RVD and, and, and uh, Sabu. Um, you had the Pitbulls. You had the Dudleys. Um, the gang yeah, yeah, the gangsters. Public and, enemy. Well, yeah, yeah, public enemy. There you go. The um, Italian. Yeah, the FBI. That was a group. Um, later, later it was Tracy Smothers and I think uh, Nunzio. You had the Baldies. And I tell you, I was always, always a fan of of Team 3D, the Dudley Boys, whatever you want to call them. Still a big fan of Bully Ray. I think he's one of the best, if not the best, in the business right now at what he does. I thought he was going to become champion at this time around, but uh, due to uh, the resurface of uh, Devon, I think that changed plans a little bit. Oh, okay. But another thing about and Bully Devon Ray, looks he, Bully Ray forgets where he came from. And... What do you I, mean by I, that? I tried to get a hold of him on a few occasions through wrestler soul, George Ann, and he right. kept saying he's got beef with me. Now, the first really? time I met him was at John Arezzi's convention. I've seen him other times. Right. I always got an autograph, but I never had beef with the guy. But they said that's yeah. the way Bully is. Devon's not, but Bully Ray can be a prick if he wants to be. He probably oh, got you mixed check. it with somebody no. else. Uh, Blackjack, you brought Steve onto my hotline when I had one back in 05. And uh, you said uh, things of uh, the nature like Dominic is saying now. 
if memory serves me correct. If memory serves me correct, sometimes you get people mixed up. I think it was a mistaken identity with, with certain things. And they'll see the person and they say, oh, I thought you were so-and-so. Yeah, yeah. That's what happened. Well, I can only, almost I, I, assure you that's what happened. Just a mix-up. I if think so. you today, you know, it'd be different circumstances. And when I met Bully Ray, he had again. just started. He was just beginning to be Mongo Vile. And he, he wrestled at a Rezzi's convention on a Friday night when there was wrestling. And I had my hotline back then. And he was willing to do an interview. And all of a sudden it fell through and the Dudleys were born. And then I couldn't get a hold of him anymore. And he used to work on Long Island right down the highway from a friend of mine. And the, they used to go to Goldfingers back in the day. I remember those days. Yeah. Woo! Yep. yep. Used to hang out in there during the week after they went uh, after they did a um, a wrestling show at Lost Battalion Hall or or wherever it was in the in, in the Queens area. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Goldfingers was there, Mo. And uh, but they had also a wrestler there. called Mike Goldfinger. One of uh, King's favorite buddies. Was where? In Goldfingers? You remember that, King? That was the original yeah. of Mike Dudley. You remember that? Okay. He was one of the Goldfingers. Which guy was there? Very good, very good. Which he guy was there? going to bring a guy that used to work at the uh, Gold, Goldfingers. He was a big as, as a... He fit the uh, Dudley build, and they were going to use him, but he never panned out uh, the way like uh, Devon or Bubba did, you know? didn't work out all the way. There was a guy that worked at Goldfingers for a while, and uh, he wrestled under that name. His name was Johnny Goldfinger. That was someone else, too. <laughs> I don't know what happened to him. He used to do a lot of independent stuff, and... My buddy Grady, the bouncer in there, and he he used to break up a lot of fights with the dancers. Oh, my God. I used to root for him. I used to say, come on, Grady, get in there. Grab yourself some. And then he would wipe his sweat off and say, man, I had a good time breaking up that fight. There was a fight in there once with two dancers. One came in and screaming at the other one, you're screwing my boyfriend. You're screwing my boyfriend. They're shoving each other. Before you know it, they're pulling each other's hair. They're on the floor. And there's my boy Grady. He's trying to pull them apart. I said, go get you some. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, J.J., before we go, uh, Jericho, what do you think of his return thus far? Oh, you know, he's only been back for about two weeks. You know, we again talked about how, you know, a lot of things in wrestling you can't keep uh, a secret. But uh, his his return you know, about two weeks ago was uh, it was it was amazing. Yeah, I didn't expect it. He's been denying reports of returning to the WWE all year. People said, "Oh, Jericho yes. will be back at, at the Royal Rumble." It didn't happen. They said, "Oh, well, Jericho will be back at WrestleMania." He's on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, know uh, what's going on. Yeah, and uh, you know it, it didn't happen. Then all of a sudden he showed up on Raw and, and he confronted the Miz. And he was confronted by the Wyatts. I mean, it was a huge shock, and it was 
exactly what, you know, WWE needs right now. I mean, he's only going to be here for a brief time, from what I understand. He should uh, be finished possibly with WWE by September. So he'll definitely be here for SummerSlam. But uh, what they do after SummerSlam, I'm not sure. He, of course, has his sixth album with Fozzie coming out. He has a new book coming out. As you mentioned, he does the Talk is Jericho podcast twice a week. He's had, you know, as you mentioned, uh, Bully Ray, uh, Paul Heyman, AJ Styles, MVP, even Snooki. He's had some of the released WWE superstars. So Jericho's been a busy guy, and I'm looking forward to him mixing things up in the WWE, you know, mixing things up with the Wyatts, who have definitely risen to the top of the WWE. It'll be a nice, interesting new food, something we haven't seen before. Anytime you do something that you've never seen before, you definitely want to watch it. It's exciting. It's new. So it's going to be refreshing to see Jericho's role in WWE uh, while it lasts. I'm looking forward to seeing what he does next. Yeah, I make your thoughts on Jericho. Yeah, big fan of Chris Jericho. Always been, whether he was in ECW or whether he was in Mexico as Corazon de Leon, Jericho always manages to do something different in the ring. He does great moves, and he always adds stuff to his, his repertory, as they say. And it's good to see him back. And he is going to be on tour with Fozzie while he's with the WWE. So that's good. People will get to see him in certain areas in concert as well as in the ring. And I'm glad he upstaged The Miz. And uh, we'll, we'll see what they have in store for him, who he picks as partners. Because you know they're going, he's going to do the Wyatts. So he's going to have to need a couple of, a couple of good partners to do that. So we'll see, we'll see what they do with Jericho. They always do right by him. And when Jericho knows he's leaving... He don't, he don't mind taking the bullet for the team and losing and or being carried out or whatever. He's uh, he's a team player, and that's why he's always welcome he's a back. Player. Yep. And he's always he, a team uh, player. That's why he's to, welcome uh, back. Fandango, right? What, what? Fandango guy? Oh, it, uh, I wanted to comment on Fandango. That Stone Cold said that if Fandango keeps being on the role that he is. He's going to be the next IC champion. Oh, yeah, he, no. He, he did get injured, but I don't think he would have been no IC champion. The guy is very, very limited, and we yeah. said that before about injuries regarding Daniel Bryan. Now, you can't compare Daniel Bryan to Fandango. No freaking yeah. way. So I think Daniel Bryan will be back. Fandango will never be anything more than he is now. And uh, that's that's how it goes. And I'm surprised uh, he didn't do anything on Raw about Santino retiring. I'm really, yeah. really surprised. Oh, yeah, he retired at the house show in Toronto. Yeah, the video yeah. clip was up on a couple of websites, but they just said nothing on Raw. And after all the stupid Maybe. things that Santino did, they don't even announce him that he's retired. for six, seven years. He's been in the company six, seven years. He wins the Intercontinental title on his debut. He yep. was a big fixture in the WWE, and that's yeah. how they treat him on his way out. Yeah, exactly. Something's not right with that. No, nope. something's not right with that picture. 
No, not at all. And uh, Blackjack, your thoughts on Jericho and Santino? One of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Great hockey man. Great uh, musician. He's a great person all the way around. He'll be back in the uh, WWE uh, for at least, I can see him around for at least another couple of years. He's still a, a great wrestler. Okay, it's prediction time. JJ, let's put you on the spot. Will, Steve Borden, a.k.a. Thing, be on Raw Monday? Just take an educated guess. I'll do well, mine I'm after. Educated guess, but I don't know if you're going to like my answer. I will say yes, Thing will be on Raw, but maybe not in person. I think this might end up being a promo for the video game. I hope I'm wrong. I hope it's more than that. But I think it will be the announcement of Sting as a playable character for the first time ever in a WWE video game. So it might just be a promotional video. I don't know if we'll see Sting debut in the ring live and in person. So will we see Sting? I think so. In my opinion, on Monday, the debut of Sting is imminent. The ratings have been in a slump. Horrible. Daniel Bryant has been away. The ratings have been atrocious. They want something to spike it up. No pun intended. And that's why he he texted that. He uh, uh, tweeted that, what he did. And uh, they want to get people talking. And that's what they did. And you will see Sting on Raw on Monday. Dominic, it's your turn. You know, J.J. put the thought in my head before. Maybe it is just something for the video game. And if it is, I don't even think we're going to really even see Sting. I think we're going to see what a video game would look like if Sting was to face Undertaker. And they're going to video videoize it to make it look like a scene out of the video game. I don't think yep. we're going to see Sting at all, only in video game form. Well, let's figure this out. History shows us when do the video games, JJ, you would know this, yep. when do video games usually come out uh, in this situation? October. Yes, WWE 2K15 will be released October 28th. But, as we mentioned last year, Ultimate Warrior did the, the video for the video game, and that came out in the summer. So this is a, we're approaching the same time as last year, so it could be just uh, an early take for the video. I, I'm really not sure. But what about this scenario? They do that with the video game, and that's how they bring back Thing, kind of like the way they brought back Warrior. Start out with the video game, and then... Go go further. You know, maybe a Hall of Fame spot, maybe a wrestling match spot. What do you think, Dominic? You know what I'd like, like to that? see? I'd like to see Jericho out there and get surrounded. The lights go uh, The lights go out and the Wyatts are in the ring, oh, right? Yeah. Everybody's got their cell phone lit up. Yeah. The lights go out again. And then when the lights come back on, Sting is in the ring with Jericho. Oh. And Jericho's got a black bat, and so does Sting, and the Wyatts are all laid out. Hmm. Oh, my. 
Wow, that's that just painful. Right. That's what I'm talking about. Good classic scenario. Yep. I would love to see something like that. Yes. Wow, that would be amazing. And your prediction, Blackjack, staying on Raw Monday, I'll tell you, it's Anything is a possibility at this point in time. That six-man, that six-month no-compete clause, that's over now. So now he could uh, be a part of this, this game world or be a part of the wrestling world. Which will it be? It's a toss-up at this point in time. We'll have to find out on Monday. I would... And, uh, of course, we can't leave without getting the, uh, the birthdays and the uh, this day in history from Dominic Gillespie from 202-629-1900, the wrestling hot seat. Dominic, do you have that information, okay. Andy? Yep. Today's wrestler's birthday is Romeo Valentino, Dallas, Austin, uh, Trance, Springgate, uh, we got Suba, who used to team up with Magic on the local indie shows in New York here. And we got Alter Boy Luke, who now is Luke Hawks. Um, let's see. Celebrities, we got Kevin Bacon, Toby Keith, uh, Johnny Johnson, who was Chuck Berry's piano player, Angelica Houston, and Jerry Vale. Day in Wrestling History, July 8th, 1996. Bart Sawyer, oh, my God, and Flex Cabana, a.k.a. The Rock, <laughs> defeated Jerry Lawler and superstar Bill Dundee in Memphis, Tennessee, and won for the second time the USWA Tag Team titles. Well, there you have it. Have a great week, everybody. Have a great week, uh, JJ. Have a great week, uh, Dominic. And uh, Blackjack, and then Dominic, we will JJ. see you guys uh, next week. Always a pleasure, okay. guys. Yeah, All the best, you guys. I'll see you yeah. next week. Thank you, my brothers. All right, bye-bye. Absolutely. So we will catch you guys uh, next week at this time. So we'll be with some MJ. Take care, everybody. This is King Jordan on the radio. Uh, King Jordan Radio Show. Catch us on Twitter. Bye.
it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.